Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Hello and welcome to the 117th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. For the episode, The Lawless, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, the Savage Opress to my Darth Maul, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Yeah, he's just, he's he's, he's bigger than me, and he's tougher than me, but I, maybe not as cunning as me. That's exactly right. Hey, I mean, I'll tell you what, nice Mitchell, and wow, I, I gotta tell you, is this a? Are we talking the season finale? I mean, because that's what it felt like in this episode. Yeah, Holy crap! It did. It One did. of the best episodes. We're going to get into it, though, obviously, Mike. But yeah, I, well, I, I say, think, wow. I yeah. think Kyle had said somewhere. I think it was Kyle uh, on the uh, on the Facebook page. Somebody said on on Facebook somewhere that uh, the end of that episode felt like the season finale. So this Ahsoka arc must be incredible because <laughs> yeah, they could have so. just they could have just hung their hat on this season and been like, we're done and with all of the downs and downs. Because there's really only been a couple of ups, uh, and you know we've really we we've had eight episodes of controversy quality wise, like that a lot of people have had a lot of issues with. So, yeah, uh, these last four, well three, and then the episode from the beginning of the season have really kind of turned around. I think the uh, the momentum of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people could have been happy just going like, yeah, well that was cool. Oh yeah. See, see you next year. Yeah. But uh, but no, we still have a whole other arc, and uh, and we're missing an arc this season. But we'll we'll talk about that in a sec. So let's jump into the news. All right. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. All right, Mike, so i got a couple of news stories that I want to hit, uh, and then we'll jump mm-hmm. to the episode proper. But, uh, hey, episode two and three, we're not going to see them in 3D. Well, it's postponed. So let's get that straight. A lot of people were thinking that it was canceled, but yeah, for right now, it's postponed. And for me, Mike, it's not like a big shock that that Disney did this, because this is Disney now. Now, if it was Lucasfilm, yeah. I, I would have been more surprised. 
But being that it's that it's Disney now, it, it didn't really surprise me. Let's face it, Episode One didn't do that great in 3D, even though it wasn't really meant for 3D. Um, mm-hmm. Any any shock to this for you? Uh, not not particularly. Disappointment more than shock. Uh, it yeah. once once you you sort of settle on it and you realize, okay, so we're not going to get to see them. I uh, you, you know there's a little bit of disappointment there I think particularly for those of us that were at celebration mm-hmm. that got to see episode right. 2 footage cuz we got to see the opening uh, or a trailer for episode 2 and then the opening scene of episode 3 like that opening shot the beginning of the the battle over Coruscant and uh man as good as as episode 1 uh, was in 3D at times Episode two looked amazing, and episode three was incredible. Like there's, there there's nothing to compare it to uh, mm-hmm. in an experience with Star Wars right now. So, uh, th- it's upsetting that that we might not be getting to see those for a while. But you can understand where they're coming from. I think what what happened there is that Lucasfilm was using a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of money in that direction. And I, honestly, I would think that, like, as much as Disney may have made the announcement, uh, I think that JJ is probably the one who said, "Look, I need everybody. If you guys want to make this 2015 date, or as close to it as possible, then I'm going to need everybody. So everybody's yeah. going to have to drop what they're doing and come over to, you know, Episode Seven and start working on that. There cannot be any Lucasfilm resources." Other than the stuff that's that's for Clone Wars, because obviously you can't just drop that. Um, but yeah, th- these things that can be postponed should be postponed. So, uh, so I, it's it's understandable. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I have a question. Did we ever get Episode One on 3D Blu-ray? No, not yet. So we still yeah we still haven't gotten that. So no. that's an interesting piece of information that that i think that we've all kind of swept under the rug and forgotten about because Mm -hmm. i that was almost a year ago that 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 episode one was released in 3d and uh and we don't have a blu-ray and it sounds like we probably won't be getting a blu-ray which is interesting to me Mm -hmm. so we might not actually see that until we see episode two and three in 3d coming back to the forefront it could be a very long time like that's yeah. That's what I think people are, are uh, maybe miscalculating on this. Uh, it's not a cancellation. Obviously, they've done a lot of work, and that's stu- that's stuff that they're not going to throw away. But, geez, we got episode seven, and then two years after that, we're supposed to have episode eight, and then two years after that, we're supposed to have episode nine. So, really, like that doesn't leave a lot of room for no. 3D releases to get worked on. So, and uh, possible it, other one-off movies as well yeah so so it could be a little while before we see those released in theaters uh if we see them released in theaters at all they could go straight to blu-ray in in an odd set of circumstances but we'll have to wait and see yeah so yeah like you said it's a little disappointing but uh not necessarily that surprising uh hey one more thing too um you know we haven't talked a lot of collecting but this new hasbro six inch uh, black series line is yes. uh, really intriguing me and something that I am really looking forward to. You know, I love collecting the the sideshow stuff and the three and three quarter, 
But with the three and three quarter, it's it's hard to like display them. I, you know, I keep mine all in package. Yep. And then with the with the twelve inch stuff, I mean, it's really big. So this is another one of those. It feels like a iPad Mini type thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It, it's a uh, it's trying to find a niche and, and i'm really excited because i've seen some of these pictures and i'm like wow they're really detailed yeah uh, like the detailing of a sideshow type figure or a gentle giant or whatever you want to call it plus a low price point so just from the the pictures and what i've heard so far i mean it looks yeah. really really good so these things are gonna be priced at 19.99 uh and here's another great thing here's another thing that, that kind of makes it nice is they're not gonna bombard you the first year with mm -hmm. 25, 30 of these. You know, it's gonna be eight figures of all for 2013. So it's gonna give your wall a little bit of a break. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, especially for, you know, someone like me who, who has a budget for this kind of stuff. And for 20 bucks uh, over a course of eight of them for a year, I, you know, I can handle that. And this is gonna be cool. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to this. Uh, something new collecting wise that we haven't seen yet. Uh, so I'm down for this. And I know a lot of people are excited about this. So, yeah, uh, they're, they're they're looking really nice. I mean, the, mm -hmm. right down to the packaging. The packaging is is definitely a step above uh, Hasbro's normal Star Wars figure packaging. So, so I don't know. I, I'm interested. Do you have you heard anything about what the other? Let's see. Because so far we know about the Imperial Sand Trooper Luke in X-wing pilot gear, R2D2, and Darth Maul. Do we know what the rest of the figures in that first series are going to be? I'm pretty sure they did mention it in this USA Today ad, but I'm not sure. I thought there was a Vader in there. Okay. Because um, this is a weird thing. They say uh, they talk about uh, classic characters, but they got Darth Maul there, so it's, it <laughs> it kind of contradicts itself. So well, <laughs> Darth uh, Maul is now a, what like a 13 year old. 14 year old character yeah. so so i i think that for some people that is classic now. well actually you know what um, actually they said original trilogy characters so that's why everybody's okay. questioning why would they put darth maul in there so i'm pretty sure there was a vader in there and yeah. um God, what was the other ones i can't i can't remember offhand but uh, they say original trilogy so we'll see maybe a uh maybe a uh a han maybe or something like that we'll see yeah but yeah, that's cool. Huh? Something I'm looking forward to. And before we hit to the uh, episode, you just wanted to mention real quick. Um, again, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with this arc this season. Uh, yes, yeah, Clovis so, arc. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, we had actually a post on the Facebook uh, group last week, and uh, and I jumped on it pretty quick and and put my two cents in on what I thought was going to happen. And it had to do with the fact that it, it sounded like we weren't going to get the Rush Clovis arc, which was supposed to be the second arc of the season. Um, we were supposed to get Onderon, Rush, uh, then the Young Jedi arc, uh, and then a break for the for Christmas, and then come back after Christmas to the droids, uh, and then the complete Darth Maul story, the Darth Maul Mandalore story, which should have been four episodes, but Revival got pushed to the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. So what that ended up doing was creating a situation where they didn't have room for a three-part arc at the beginning of the season. They had because they had one episode, and then they had a four-part Onderon arc, and then a four-part Young Jedi arc, and then two episodes 
of the droid arc and then we came back after Christmas. But if you took out Revival and you took out the droids, that's three episodes, which is what the Rush Clovis arc was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So you can see that it was clearly supposed to fit in there somewhere before uh, uh, mid-season. Because that's the first time we, I think we've ever gotten a mid-season cliffhanger is this season, right? And uh, and we know that, that the Revival move was very unorthodox, that that was... Um, that was really more George's call than anything. I mean, he saw the finish, a, a pretty close to finished cut mm-hmm. of Revival and said, that's your season premiere. And uh, and and sort of convinced Dave and everybody else that, that yeah, everybody's going to be... If they don't come back to Darth Maul, everybody's going to be sitting there going, "What's? but what's going on with Darth Maul? What's going on with Darth Maul? So, right. so that rearranged stuff... Uh, the odd part of this that I can't seem to figure out, my my guess was that we were going to get this Darth Maul story. We didn't know if Sabotage was part of the Ahsoka arc or not, or whether or not it was a fifth part to this Mandalorian arc, because it seemed like they're, they're, they could have room to do more, right? Like, they could have they stretched this out another episode. I mean, they could have very easily had it go... Uh, this episode, Obi-Wan does all of his stuff, has a confrontation with Savage Opress and Darth Maul and an actual fight. Because if you'll notice, like he never actually fights Savage or Darth Maul um, in this episode. It's it's actually pretty... Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't he doesn't have a very good time. This is reminding me a little bit of season season uh, four. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and his uh, getting beaten up repeatedly. Right. But uh, So we could add that and then we could have had the, the sort of uh, 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 sorry Darth Sidious showing up and then a resolution um, which would have gone along with my theory last week that Bo-Katan would be taking over rule of Mandalore um, because as of the end of this episode we really don't have resolution to that we don't know right. who's in charge of Mandalore right uh, they kind of you know uh, there's not really anybody left so I uh, uh, it's it's interesting how how all that went, but I thought that sabotage might might be the the final episode of the of that arc, and then we would get three episodes of the Rush Clovis arc, and then three episodes of the Ahsoka arc. What was confirmed on Saturday during the the Clone Wars Google Hangout uh, for those that were there. It, it wasn't really... They didn't say this in so many words, but what happened was Pablo Hidalgo made reference that the next episode... They showed a clip. They, they showed a preview from the next episode. Uh, and, and it's sabotage, and it's the beginning of the Ahsoka arc. And that's all they talked about. They did not talk about the Rush Clovis stuff. And there were questions. like Because they were taking questions from, from viewers... And, uh, and and there were lots of people asking what's going on with the Clovis stuff, what's going on, what's going on, what ha- what's happening to those three episodes. And they completely sidestepped all of it, just sort of ignored all those questions, just talked about really Saturday morning's episode and and, uh, and the season finale, uh, essentially, this, this last arc. Uh, and it, it, w- the sense that you got is this Ahsoka story is the next arc and it's the final arc of the season. So that means that that Rush Clovis stuff, which if you go, you can go, I think you can even go on 
on the Star Wars YouTube page and see clips from Star Wars Celebration that were seen. I mean, I've I've seen, I would guess probably like half of an episode uh, from that that arc mm-hmm. uh, from from the the various panels at Star Wars Celebration. So that arc is ready to go. It's done. It's just. I guess they just don't have room for it in the season, which means that we're going to get a shorter season, 22 episodes. The odd part to me is that it means that we would have had an extra long season otherwise. Right. Had had all of the stuff not happened with Revival, um, we would have had a 23-episode season. I don't know why that's been that's been removed now, if that's the case. The only thing that I can think is that the Rush Clovis story is not as strong as the the Savage Opress or uh, or Ahsoka story. Ahsoka, right? Um, which I think is a fairly safe assumption. I think it. I think it looks good. Like it, it looks like it's got some interesting stuff. There's some really cool Obi Wan Anakin dynamics in there, and uh, and and obviously more Anakin dark side stuff, which is always good, right? I mean, we always love that, but. I think what they wanted to avoid was, you know, we kind of ramped it up with, you know, from the moment that Obi-Wan sort of uh, uh, opened, like, the, that the blast doors open, uh, and you just sort of, you see Mandalore in, in ruins, uh, that episode didn't really stop. And the next episode, the next four episodes are supposed to be really intense as well. So... I think they just wanted to not break that momentum mm-hmm. uh, and just let it let it carry through till the end of the season. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So we don't know yet if that will be part of season six or uh, maybe released separately in some way. Maybe released online. Maybe released on mm-hmm. the Blu-ray and never really seen anywhere else. It's entirely possible that they'll do that. I think it's highly unlikely, but I think that one of the things that that makes me lean towards that is we don't know the fate of the Clone Wars and where it's going to end up next year, right? Uh, and and that it could very well not be at Cartoon Network, and it could be moving to Disney XD. I think they would have a hard time. And obviously, you'd need to see their contracts and everything, but I think they'd have a hard time airing those three episodes on a network other than Cartoon Network. Because of sort of because of of the way that seasons are purchased by by networks and that sort of thing. Because Clone Wars is not in syndication yet, right? Right. Uh, At least not not in the states. Uh, It is it is technically syndicated here in in Canada because we like Clone Wars airs every night on on Teletoon, I think, or at least it has in the past. I don't know that it still does, but. Um, but it has in the past, and they just kind of cycle through the seasons that exist, um, and and never really like they don't play the current season, but they'll play the previous seasons just sort of on loop, hmm. um, one episode every night. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see what happens with this arc. Hopefully, it doesn't just disappear. Um, but th- I know that there's a lot of people that would be disappointed if it was <laughs> say the season premiere next season. Yeah, I, I just don't know how, like we talked about earlier, how they are going to top this episode we're going to talk about right now. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. it's just 
<laughs> either this this Ahsoka arc is going to be just crazy good, or it's going to leave us a little bit wishing that we had, you know, a little more Maul or something like that. But either way, I, I'm definitely looking for this, uh, looking forward to this Ahsoka arc and and the Clovis mm-hmm. thing. Hey, it's all right. I can wait till uh, till next season, or like you said, maybe uh, some kind of a side spinoff thing. But who knows? Um, yeah. With that being said, though, uh, I guess it's time to talk about this crazy, crazy episode, man. You ready to do it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. Alrighty, guys, let's get into the lawless. In the Mandalorian capital of Sundari, the overthrown Duchess Satine lies helpless in a prison cell. A guard comes to check on her. And Satine is surprised when the guard is suddenly shot dead by her nephew, Corky. Corky and his old classmates, Lagos, Sonji, and Amis, have teamed up with Bo-Katan to infiltrate the prison and rescue Satine. Satine recognizes Bo-Katan and recalls a time when the two of them were not enemies. The rescuers bring Satine out of the prison's loading platform and into an escape speeder. Satine wants to contact the Jedi Counselor for help but all transmissions within the city are being jammed. Mandalorian super commandos, red armored warriors now loyal to Maul, launch an attack on the speeder. Bo-Katan and her Death Watch loyalists fight them off with Cor- while Corky and his friends escort the Duchess towards a city exit. And I'll say, Mike, uh, you know, just to start off and talk about this just a little mm-hmm. bit, um, first of all, Great tribute to Ian Abercrombie in the in the beginning. Uh, apparently, this is some of his last work. I don't know if it definitely is his last work, but I think they mentioned in the in some of the behind the scenes stuff at StarWars.com that this is some of his, his last work. So really cool to see him yeah. getting the nod, especially since this is the first appearance of Darth Sidious in the flesh, and we'll talk about that. But uh, as far as the scene, Mike, um, mm-hmm. clever clever writing here, and and let me. During this opening scene with Satine and Bo-Katan, she says, there was a time, this is Satine, she goes, there was a time when we weren't enemies. And obviously they're giving clues to their relationship. And at first, mm-hmm. I, I didn't pick it up. I didn't realize it until the very end. I'm like, holy crap. In the beginning, you know, here's here's Satine kind of giving us and the writer's giving us clues. And I thought that was just yeah. clever writing there because they don't tell you. But when you think about it, you go, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty neat how they did that. Uh and then, of course, the scene where she's uh, calling Obi-Wan for help. You know, I'm, I'm, we've seen that before in the original trilogy. So it was kind of a neat little callback. Lots of callbacks, you know, Mike, in this mm-hmm. particular episode that we'll talk to. But uh, 
clever though, huh? Did you notice that in the beginning? I mean, did you did you clue in on that uh, at that point? I mean, be honest. Did you did you get it right there, or did you get it later on? No, I I didn't at all. It okay. wasn't until it wasn't until much later that I, you know, I mean, it, honestly, the end of the episode, um, yeah. and and her revealing that. I think I'll say my um, my guess last week wasn't far off. I'll say that like mm-hmm. that. I'll, I'll be, like I had a sense that something was up. They they Bo-Katan was much more than just. Pre Vizsla's right hand, uh, they that there was more going on with that character than we were privy to, mm-hmm. um, and that she was being set up for something. I still think that she's in a great position to be the leader of Mandalore, um, and now now more so than than before. I mean now now that we know uh, her familial relation, uh, it's like that. It it makes perfect sense why how she is a perfect mix of of pre Vizsla and Satine. Um so I I'd like to see that done in the future, but it's sort of been said we don't know if we'll return to Mandalore before the end of the series, uh, or if it'll be it's certainly not gonna be anytime soon. Right. Um so I think that's that it's it's an interesting thing to, to think about and I, I think that we can uh, we can look forward to something in the expanded universe sort of leading us towards that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we might have to wait a while yeah, before we get an actual answer on like what is going on, uh, with, with Bo-Katan and, and Mandalore and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to see it sooner rather than later, but I don't think that we will. I think it's right. going to be a while, but yeah. I, but I will just say right here off the bat, uh, at the head of the episode, I was right. I I would love it if there's somebody that's a dedicated Frontlines listener that that has the time and the inclination to go back and figure out exactly when I guessed that Satine wouldn't be making it uh, <laughs> out out of. I'm see now. This is the thing: is that I'm pretty sure that I said something the second that Darth Maul came back, like the mm-hmm. second that Maul was sort of talking about larger plans for revenge and that he was going to get revenge on Kenobi and that it was going to be more than just killing him. I, which I don't remember if that was the beginning of this season or in other words, at Star Wars Celebration Mm -hmm. or if it was at the end of last season. But I remember a very long time ago saying Satine's not going to make it. (laughs) She's, she's done. I, and, uh, and, and, as we will find out later on in this episode, I was right, as I very often am. So, uh, so yeah. it was nice. It was nice to, to get that, and uh, it was nice that it was well done. We'll oh, talk yeah. more about that when we get there. But, okay. Yeah. Um, very interesting to note that that uh, Corky is accompanied by his friends, and uh, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but I did not realize. That those were his friends from uh, the what what the academy was academy the the I, I think it was yeah, yeah. right um, but but they are in fact supposed to be older versions of of his friends because um, the academy would be young Ahsoka and now you know Ahsoka's older so it stands to reason that these guys would all be older as well so right. uh, I I and. 
I'll just say the the models for uh, for the two girls that 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 uh, are his friends from that previous episode. They are the the most attractive looking models that we've gotten so far in the series i think mm-hmm. and that's not to you know like i'm not trying to to point out anything weird or anything like that but just to point out that um satine has never looked better than she did in this episode and i i i don't think that there's ever been a, a female character that's looked quite as good as as those two girls did they had very similar faces um, I, but I think that a lot of it was the way that they had uh, done their hair and uh, and the eyes. Uh, the eyes were just like really striking, um, mm-hmm. which which I thought was a really cool touch. And uh, uh, it just goes to show how much more skillful the animators are and the, and the the modelers that um, they managed to retain the Clone Wars look, the aesthetic that they established in the, in the first season, but it is so much better. Uh, it's just, just, I don't know. It, it had the right style. It had the right feeling to it, but it didn't take you out of it. They have on starwars.com. They've got a, a, in one of the slideshows in the trivia slideshow, they have a picture of the, the, younger models with the with the newer more recent models from this episode and you look at them even the boys right even corky and uh, and lagos mm-hmm. like you look at them and it's a huge difference it's a very oh, large yeah. difference yeah and not just in like oh they're older but um there's sort of like a very off proportion to to the characters from from seasons one two and three um, before we got the new models for Obi-Wan, Anakin, and ah- Ahsoka. Um, uh, things were, I think, a lot more cartoony back then, uh, and, and that's sort of gone away. And new characters have come in since then, and those new characters, uh, and I'm thinking like the beginning of the season with Saw and, um, and uh, oh, her name Lux? is Stila. Oh, Stila. Stila. Um, they look much more uh, just mature. They, it's just a much more mature approach to character design, and uh, and a much more detailed and rich approach to character design, which uh, which I appreciate a lot. And and these updated models are are just more evidence of that. Um, the other evidence in this episode of that is Darth Sidious. Uh, that's obviously a new model for for Palpatine. But just incredible looking and and way more detailed. I'm sure that if you had the opportunity to talk to Joel Aaron, that he would tell you that there is much more facial rigging on the uh, the the face of Sidious. Sidious than there is on on the previous Palpatines. But I think maybe we got a new Palpatine at the beginning of the season. So so I would say that they're probably somewhere around the same. But the expressiveness of the mouth on on Palpatine was just and it has to be right because that's the only part of his face that that we see when he's Sidious is just the mouth and uh, it was incredible but he just had that emperor quality to him and uh, right down to the vocal performance Kyle I think was saying on on Facebook that that I uh, he he thought that they might have brought in another actor 
to do those those lines towards the end but i i fully think that that was ian abercrombie he was just channeling he was yeah definitely the the emperor rather than palpatine because the voice the vocal performances need to be very different so right anyways let's continue with the episode we've talked about so much and we're only uh, (laughs) we're not even done the first scene yeah uh the rescue speeder is shot down but satine proceeds on foot to the end of an exterior platform where she can make a clear transmission she sends a distress signal to Obi-Wan Kenobi before being reapprehended by Maul's commandos. At the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, Yoda and Kiadi Mundi receive Satine's call for help and summon Obi-Wan. Kenobi watches the transmission with concern. He guesses that Death Watch has finally succeeded in taking over Mandalore, even though they are no longer allied with the Separatists. Yoda tells him that this is an internal affair for Mandalore, and that the Jedi Council cannot intervene. Uh, how did you feel about this scene? You know what's here's the thing. Um, I starting to realize that you know, like I'm thinking, like are the Jedi like I don't want to say cowards, but it's like they're just picking and choosing what they want to do. And I know it has something to do with with the Republic and all that, but I, I don't know, man. I just thought, man, that's kind of. You know, come on. Here's Obi-Wan. He's going to stand up. I mean, we'll find out, obviously, that he's going to stand yeah. up and go, hey, I don't care what... He's almost Anakin-like here. I don't care what yeah. the council says. I'm going. I'm gone. And, and I'm, I kind of wish we could have saw maybe a scene like that. But um, he, or Obi-Wan doesn't argue or anything. He just kind of yeah. states his case, and then that's it. But, I mean, is that where you're going? Like, the Jedi are starting to, to be... Uh, chickens a little bit or something like that not yeah. chickens but no. what's the word i'm looking for like they just don't care maybe i don't know there's uh, there's two sides to this i think the the first side is that that again during the clone wars hangout uh on and i missed Saturday that so morning i uh, they talked about a scene that was cut there was supposed to be a scene where anakin was talking to ahsoka about like uh, the twilight was taking off from the jedi temple <clears throat> and as it was leaving Ahsoka makes a comment to Anakin about, like, have you fixed the hyperdrive, like, the inertial dampeners or something? And he's like, yeah, I've been meaning to, but I haven't. And she's like, did you tell Obi-Wan? He's like, it slipped my mind. Uh, So there was, I think there was supposed to be a little bit more of, like, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka helped Obi-Wan sneak off to go. Oh, okay. You know, as Anakin would say, save his girlfriend. Um... So I think there was supposed to be a little bit more of, of an exploration of the fact that Obi-Wan was going against council orders on that. Yeah, um, I feel like I was missing something. Yeah, definitely. But I think the other side of that is that I think one of the things that Dave's been trying to do, and you notice it with, with the scenes of, um, I think it was, in, it was in Lightsaber Lost. It was either Lightsaber Lost or uh, or one of the, the one where... Uh, where the Zillow Beast attacks Coruscant. Mm. Um, and there's, uh, maybe it's in both. There's the, the billboards that are talking. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and it's it's Palpatine sort of reassuring everybody that the Jedi are doing everything in their power and that the fact that the war has gone on for so long is not their fault. And, uh, and he's sort of sowing those seeds of, like, nobody necessarily said the war wasn't going well, and nobody's been complaining about the Jedi as leaders, but... The second that he says that, just his influence and his position puts that in people's minds, right? So I think that that along the same lines where Dave's trying to show us that 
that the emperor is doing his best to sort of sow these seeds of doubt in the Jedi Order. Um, I think that at this point in the war, it's filtered back to the Jedi, and that even they believe that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and, uh, uh, Qui-Gon says, we're, we're peacekeepers, we can't fight a war for you. Uh, right. To, to Padme. But, uh, but here they are now fighting a war for the Republic. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously they, they couldn't do it without the clones. Uh, but still, that doesn't change the fact that I think Qui-Gon was using that as a way to explain that that's not the function of the Jedi without getting into the, the ethics of it and why the Jedi would never fight a war. I think if Qui-Gon were still around, that he would have a lot to say about this war and that he would be saying, you know, we need to we need to not be involved in this. We need to be out there doing the things that Jedi are supposed to be doing. There, There is a, Repu- a, a Republic army to deal with war. We should be out there keeping the peace. We should be out there helping refugees. We should be helping the people that need it, not just fighting battles, which is, which is uh, sort of the... the environment that Anakin has come of age in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Obi-Wan, to a certain degree, shares that with Qui-Gon. And so when Yoda and Ki-Adi Mundi, who, you know, they're they're the Jedi Council, they've been on the Jedi Council for a long time, so I think that they're used to inaction, to be perfectly honest. I think that one of the statements of Episode One is that the Jedi Council is really kind of defunct. They've they're kind of... Kind of lax, re- yeah. They've rendered themselves useless because they don't do anything. And that's where Qui-Gon's frustration comes from. Is that, like, can't you see that this boy is the Chosen One? He is. Like, it's obvious to everybody in this room. Why are we not going to train him? And and they're like, oh, look, it's our decision. We're the council. We make this call. And then Yoda makes the comment of, about uh, the younger Jedi being arrogant, but even some of the more older, experienced ones being arrogant. And then there's there's stuff about the Jedi Council in Episode 3. So I think what we're supposed to be getting here is a sense that, that um, the people are beginning to distrust the Jedi, uh, that Palpatine wants that to happen, and I think more importantly, especially for this arc that's coming up, uh, that the Jedi themselves are starting to doubt one another. Mm-hmm. And that there's starting to be... Uh, it started with, with Dooku and the, and the other 19 that left the Order, but uh, the Jedi are starting to doubt, doubt each other and, and splinter into their own groups. Uh, you've got Jedi like Anakin and Ashara uh, uh, Het and uh, and Quinlan Voss that are very much warriors and not so much, you know, the the monk, right? Like they've kind of got that battle side to them, but not the not the Obi Wan Kenobi negotiator side to them, not the Yoda uh, wisdom side to them, right? And, uh, but then you've got other Jedi who are way too far to the other side, like Yoda, that don't want to do anything. 
that they want it they don't want to get involved because it's not their place to get involved and they're sort of above or beyond that in some capacity but then you have obi-wan who is supposed to be in in star wars the true example of a jedi the example of a perfect jedi and i don't just say that because i'm a huge fan but that's the purpose that he serves is to show exactly what a jedi is supposed to be he is the the sort of the 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 exemplar of the Jedi Order of he's he's a warrior but his his it's always defense it's never attack and but he's also the negotiator right so he's got both of those sides and he's also got the the patience of of Yoda of that sort of you know think about it and then act um so I I don't know like I, I think that's one of the things that we're supposed to be getting at in this episode with Obi-Wan's story uh, and it's going to be interesting next week when we get into the idea of more Jedi falling to the dark side or turning away from right from the Jedi order I uh, we'll talk about that when we get to, to sabotage but right right I uh, but yeah I, I think that's kind of where we're supposed to be at so I think that that's what's happening I think that's what's yeah. going on well they, you know they're just stuck I mean you know they, they want to help it seems like they want to help and maybe I was a little too harsh on them uh, like they want to help, but they they just know that they're stuck. There's nothing they can do. They got the council, mm-hmm. not the council, but um, you know the republic and, and what they want. And and of course we got to remember that this is this is Palpatine. Uh, this is one that started this whole thing. Yeah, and, and it's kind of holding them back. So um, I'll continue. Prime Minister Almec updates Maul on Satine's capture. Uh, her accomplices have escaped, but she did contact the Jedi for help. Maul has anticipated this, and he grins at the news. He instructs Almec to keep Mandalore neutral, out of Republic jurisdiction. That way, if Obi-Wan comes to rescue Satine, he will have to come alone. Satine's accomplices have escaped, including the renegade Death Watch soldiers. But we will find them. The Duchess appears to have contacted the Jedi just as anticipated. Good. You have done well. What of the people? You are the legitimate Prime Minister. Mandalore is a sovereign planet, and you will maintain its neutrality. And what of the Jedi? Because of Mandalore's neutrality, the Jedi have no jurisdiction here. If Kenobi comes to rescue his friend, he will have to come alone. And here's what I love about this, Mike, is and what I love about Darth Maul. I mean, he's so smart now. I mean, he knows. Mm-hmm. As you know, it's like you can see that he learned so much from Sidious, like the ways of what the Jedi are about, and he knows that they're neutral. He knows that they're not going to come out and get him. You know, he knows that you know if he's got Satine, that he can lure obi-wan because they talked about it just before that scene you know how how it's neutral and they're you know him and kiati mundi are talking like we can't go there it's neutral the council the you know the republic won't allow it um you know they're not with us so we're not going to help them that's kind of the way they they acted earlier so i love the fact that maul is so smart and he knows this and he knows that obi-wan is going to come uh just perfect setup His, his plan is starting to uh to, to come about to just the way he wants it. And, uh, you know, just, that's what I love about these. That's what I love about Maul coming back, man. He, it's just, it seems like all my favorite episodes now have been with, 
with Maul in there, just because it's it's got to show him. Uh, it's totally different from Episode One. I mean, all we saw in Episode One was he kicking butt, and now it's the total opposite with the Clone Wars. I and mean, we get to see how smart this guy is and how much he learned from from Darth Sidious. So, really Absolutely. cool scene. Loved it. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the battered spice freighter Twilight, loaned to Obi Wan by Anakin Skywalker, comes in for a shaky landing at Sundari. Obi Wan, disguised once more as bounty hunter Rako Hardeen, incapacitates a Mandalorian commando and steals his armor as a more effective disguise to infiltrate the Sundari prison. Bo Katan and her night owl warriors keep an eye on him from high above. With the Mandalorian armor, Obi-Wan makes his way to Satine's cell. He removes his helmet, and she is deeply grateful to see her beloved friend. He replaces his helmet and escorts the Duchess out of the complex. The security breach does not go unnoticed. The Super Commandos pursue Obi-Wan and Satine as they flee from the prison, make their way to the docks, and board the Twilight. Commandos bombard the ship with blaster fire, and Obi-Wan fires back with the ship's laser cannons. Maul and Savage arrive on the scene in a speeder. I know you had to love this scene with the Twilight. I, this is yes. the one that we, we talked about last week. And, uh, yeah. you know, just it's fantastic. It reminds you of, of the Millennium Falcon. You see, and how about some of that, some of the animation that when that, the, the uh, whatever the air thing busts and it blows, and, he, you know, Obi Wan's like, oh, Anakin, you know, and, he, and he's just yeah. like, I can't believe he did this. And he's stomping on the. Uh, landing platform to go down and it finally goes i mean just a great scene uh little shades of the millennium falcon there and and the twilight is blown up no more twilight mike uh there you go it's it's had its run in the clone wars uh yeah but, well yeah we've kind of got um we have closure on yeah. the subject of the twilight so that's that's nice a lot of people were asking about that like hey what happened to the twilight well there you go yeah. uh what else is going on here, though? But, uh, yeah, Kenobi, he reunites uh, with Satine. And uh, she kind of shows um, her... And here's another another throwback to A New Hope and the Luke and Princess Leia and you're too, too short for a stormtrooper type of thing. Um, uh, Satine shows her uh, obvious, obvious love for Obi-Wan. And he, he kind of, like, you know, kind of, like, does one of these with his hands, like, up in the air, like, oh, okay, uh, you know, I didn't know we were still going there, but... Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of a neat little scene there, nice little moment. Like, wow, you know, Obi Wan realizes that. Wow, I think she really does does care for me. So uh, that was kind of a cool setup to what happens here in a few minutes. So, uh, anything else uh, in this section though that uh, caught your eye, Mike? No, this? just just a note again that uh, that Satine's new new model with the uh, with the the different hairstyle, hair, yeah, uh, yeah. or hair unstyle, as it were. Uh, was was really cool to see. I which I think that's one of the first times that we've really seen a lot of sort of almost flowing hair. Almost, uh, they they kind of they stay away from the hair being too. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really move, but right. at the same time, think back in Star Wars. Can you really think of a time when a character really had flowing locks of hair? The only person that comes to mind is Qui Gon. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it really that's not really a, a, a most of the women in Star Wars tend to keep their hair pretty, pretty tight uh, so that they can, you know, be running around with blasters and keeping up 
with the guys, or rather, the guys keeping up with them in most cases. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Han has a hard time keeping up with Leia a lot of the time. But, oh yeah, I, but yeah, I, it's sort of it's it's a it's it's interesting to see a character in this in this sort of scenario. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, here's how it finishes up. Obi-Wan manages to get the clunky freighter airborne, and Satine suggests contacting her sister for help and reinforcements. Obi-Wan asks Satine who her sister is, but before he, he can get an answer, Maul orders his troops to shoot down the freighter with their rockets. The Twilight spins out of control and crashes back onto the platform. Obi-Wan and Satine leap from the doomed ship and tumble onto the platform with a stunning impact. And here again, Mike, and I missed it again. Here... He's, uh, she says, uh, you know, should I contact my sister? And they're clever enough to, to get you out of that mode. Like, oh, wait a minute. Who's her, before you can even start thinking about who her sister can be, yeah. you know, boom, you know, the rockets are going. Here goes the, uh, the twilight. It's blown up. It's done. So, again, a, another clever scene there giving you some hints. And I missed it again. I've got to tell you, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I still missed it. I didn't catch it till the very end. So, uh, but, yeah, we talked about the twilight, and it's, and it's gone. So, but the big scene is uh, coming up here, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, Kenobi looks up and sees Darth Maul and Savage Opress coming toward him through the smoke. Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber, but he is too shaken from the crash to put up a fight. Maul snatches Kenobi in a force grip and disarms him. Maul orders his guards to take Satine and Obi-Wan back to the palace. In the palace, Maul sits on Satine's old throne with the shackled duchess kneeling at his side. Obi-Wan stands before him and watches helplessly as Maul uses the Force to choke Satine. The Sith Lord gloats over his victory. Rather than killing Kenobi, Maul has decided to exact his vengeance by making the Jedi experience the same pain and despair that he felt for so many years. Maul ignites Pre Vizsla's Darksaber, pulls the duchess close to him, and Obi-Wan watching in horror, he impales Satine with his blade uh, and drops her to the floor. Obi-Wan rushes to Satine's side and she declares her love for him uh, with her dying breath. Savage asks if they, if they are to kill Kenobi, but Maul would rather let him drown in sorrow and misery in a prison cell. Dark side, Master what? Jedi, your emotions betray you. Your fear, and yes, your anger. Let your anger deepen your hatred. Don't listen to him, Obi. Quiet. You can kill me, but you will never destroy me. It takes strength to resist the dark side. Only the weak embrace it. It is more powerful than you know. And those who oppose it are more powerful than you'll ever be. I know where you're from. I've been to your village. I know the decision to join the dark side wasn't yours. The Night Sisters made it for you. Silence! You think you know me? It was I who languished for years thinking of nothing but you. Nothing but this moment. And now, the perfect tool for my vengeance is in front of us. I never planned on killing you. But I will make you share my pain, Kenobi. Sissy! 
Remember, my dear Obi-Wan. I've loved you always. I always will. Well, I gotta tell you, Mike, one of the most powerful scenes in in all of the five seasons of the Clone Wars. Uh, here's a here's a character, Satine, who, um, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of, and you know, she had a lot of controversy with the whole Mandalore plot. But I tell you what, one of the most powerful scenes in the Clone Wars. Like I said, I mean, there's so much going on here. I mean, I, I put an extended clip there because there was just no way I was going to try to cut that up. You know, I wanted everybody to get the full impact of what was going on there. But like I said, so powerful. I mean, so much going on here, Mike. First of all, you got Maul, uh, you know, bringing Kenobi in. And he wants Kenobi to suffer. He wants to, Kenobi to feel what he's been going through, you know, in that junk pile for 10 years. You know, he wants him. He's not going to kill him. That's way too easy. Uh, he's going to make him suffer. And uh, the banter, you know, he's he, here's Maul talking about the fear the anger, the hatred, he's goading Kenobi. And I love this, like Obi-Wan's, this uh, Yoda scene where he says, uh, you know, you can, you can kill me, but you won't destroy me. You know, not, not necessarily Yoda, but shades of him against Darth Vader in episode four. Like, I can become yeah, more absolutely. powerful. Unbelievable stuff right here. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you take over, Mike. Um, I'll tell you what. This is the, the point where I said to myself, holy crap, oh, here is a true master of the force right here, Obi-Wan Kenobi, faced with a, a situation where, you know, could have been the love of his life right there. You know, he actually left her for the Jedi Order. He could have went just crazy there. He could have went, you know, if this was Anakin, he would have went dark side. It would have been on right there. But he is so strong that he's able to hold it back and and realize you know there's going to be another time you know there'll be a different time for this to take care of this this is not the time uh to hold back his emotions his hatred his fear uh to be able to do that i mean that is a true mm -hmm. master and that's when i thought to myself wow you know that no wonder mike loves this character so much i mean he just showed right there his true mastery of the force i don't know what tell me your thoughts on this scene right here great this is great stuff well i mean it, it's I think a lot of us saw it coming. Uh, oh, certainly, yeah, yeah. Certainly anybody listening to Frontlines, because I've been saying it since at least the beginning of the season, that right. I didn't think that Satine was going to live. Um, and that's not for any want of her to die. I, I I like the character. I think that she's done great things for the series, I, in particular for the character of Obi-Wan. And as as Anakin's foil and as his mentor, getting to see what is the appropriate way to deal with attachment, to right. deal with love. Obi-Wan does love Satine. Uh, and not just in a, a compassion, uh, you know, love, love, you know, like you're <clears throat> supposed to love anybody, right? But in a truly, like in a romantic capacity, he loves Satine. He did almost leave the Jedi Order to be with her. Right. Um, that is a story that I would love to see so much. That, when people ask me what I want to see in the Clone Wars, there's not a lot of times that I'll come up with something. And there's not a lot of, there's certainly not a lot of things that I would say, let's have a flashback episode to deal with. But... There's two aspects to that. First is that we would get to see Qui-Gon. 
Uh, and the second is that we would get to see Obi-Wan and Satine develop this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that both of those things could be excellent. Uh, whether we'll ever get to see that or not, uh, I guess we'll, we'll just, time will tell. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure that there will be a comic or something at some point. Somebody will visit that. But I, but this scene is just the perfect example of why Obi-Wan Kenobi is that Jedi exemplar. Why he is the one that all of the other Jedi should be looking to to see how, how to appropriately act. He mourns her. He is upset. He's visibly upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, man, the animation and... This is crazy, but I swear to you, I can see James Arnold Taylor's face and his emotions. <laughs> uh-huh. Having having met James Arnold Taylor, sat down to him, spoken with him face to face, having having heard him speak about things other than Star Wars, uh, I saw that, and in that moment, it was it, I saw I saw Obi Wan, but I also saw. It, James' performance, not just vocally, but physically. You could see it. You could see it in the face. And the animators, I think, did that on purpose. I think they, I guarantee you that in the booth, in the studio, uh, together with with uh, Anna Graves, that that he acted the crap out of that scene. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't really say a lot. But he does. There is emotion and there is a vocal performance there. So I guarantee you that he gave a performance in the room, and uh, and he's just such a talented actor. And it, it came through in animation, and I think that that's amazing. That's an amazing testament to James Arnold Taylor. That's an amazing testament to the animators on the Clone Wars, and uh, most importantly, I think in all of this, to Dave Filoni, who as supervising director makes sure that these are the things that get on screen and uh, and really sees that, you know, as fans, this is what we want. When we see a story with Obi-Wan Kenobi and it has to come to a, a, an emotional climax here, uh, they, they, they got to knock it out of the park. This cannot be... This can't be characters from season one that were in one episode and died. This is Satine. This is an important character to Obi-Wan and why he does what he does in the future um and dave dave and i think in the uh, in the behind the scenes feature i uh, stressed that he couldn't react the way that he reacts in episode three when anakin is mm-hmm. dying in front of him and i, th- I think that he, he acknowledges that that is that is a very sacred moment in star wars and perhaps the most emotional moment in the entire saga so far uh, we'll have to wait and see for seven, eight, and nine. But yeah. uh, but it is. I mean, for me certainly, it's it's one of the only times that I that I've ever shed a tear watching a Star Wars movie. Um, and and I'll tell you, this this scene is the only time I've ever shed a tear, really truly, while watching the Clone Wars. I, I may have exaggerated for for effect in the past, but this scene got me like that performance and the look on Obi-Wan's face, just like they, the color is drained out of him. Uh, he doesn't look like young Obi-Wan. He looks like old Obi-Wan for a moment. And you just, you can see where he sort of, he's running out of gas. Like this war is going on too long. And as much as he jokes 
in episode three and he's he's uh he he's moved on by that point uh i think by the time that everything starts happening with anakin he is just like he's he's had enough and you can like it makes sense why he goes into hiding why he follows to tatooine and he watches after luke his best friend's son you know, uh, he he trusts that Leia will be safe with with Bail and uh, and and his wife on Alderaan, but he's got to look after Luke, and and so he goes after goes and follows him and and spends his life in seclusion. If Satine didn't die, that couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think had Satine not died, and there's a Star Wars Infinities graphic novel in here. Uh, if Satine didn't die in this. But everything else happened the way that it was supposed to happen. I uh, then then I think what you could have seen is oh is Bale says we'll take the girl. Uh, my wife and I have always wanted a daughter, and Obi Wan goes, "I'll take the boy. I know where to go," and that he would have gone to Mandalore, and that Obi Wan and Satine would have raised Luke on Mandalore. I mean that is that's a whole other timeline that and maybe that's just the Obi-Wan Kenobi fan in me and maybe that's a story that somebody needs to put down on paper. I uh, somebody being, I don't know, maybe I'll point the finger at me, but I'm not one for fan <laughs> fiction. So, but I but the, I think that there's an element of Obi-Wan's character that that if the Jedi Order weren't there and he didn't have that responsibility, that the first place he would go is to her. But now she's gone, so now his only responsibility is is to Anakin, who is essentially his son, right? I mean, right. that's sort of, that's the relationship. And, and, I mean, they refer to it in Episode 3 as brothers. But but I really think that there's more of a, a, a father-son bond there, uh, that he raised him, uh, in essence, and was the only father figure that Anakin ever had. So... So I don't know, like there, there's these two aspects to that relationship uh, that Obi Wan has, and one is with Satine, and the other is with Anakin. You get re- you have to remove Satine, and it's something it had to happen. The second they introduced the character, went into this backstory, you had to get there. You have to get to the point where she is no longer in it, and more importantly, it has to happen with Maul. Maul has to be the one to kill her. It couldn't have been pre It couldn't have been any other circumstance. It had to be Darth Maul. Darth Maul is this this ghost from Obi-Wan's past. Uh, I think a lot of the time while watching the Clone Wars, we forget that Darth Maul is the one that killed Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. And that Obi-Wan's still carrying that around, right? So uh, his father, essentially, was killed by Darth Maul. And now his, his love... Like the love of his life has been killed by Darth Maul, and uh, yeah, I think the next time that the two of them see each other, I don't think that Darth Maul will make it out of that scenario. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think Maul has sealed his own fate, and that I, even though it could have come to an end at, at the end of this episode, he had to be saved for later much more important yes sure i'm sure that sidious has plans for him but much more importantly i'm pretty sure george (laughs) and dave have plans for him so yeah yeah. so uh we'll we'll get there though but yeah Yeah, yeah. it's 
this is the best that the series has ever been. This yeah. four episodes. Uh, go. You have to go back to Revival, which when we talked about our top five episodes of the series when we did our, our 100th episode... Uh, 100th episode of Clone Wars look back um, Revival is in there and uh, and now I would say if I had to choose an arc this is the best arc of the series this yeah. is this is number one and the lawless is is right there with trespass for me it trespass is no longer number one I uh, it's it's point five and uh, and lawless is the other point five. I <laughs> uh, they I can't they're 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 both number one for different reasons uh, and it's very hard to divorce to say that the thing with trespass is that it's number one because it stands alone as one of the best episodes of the series even now uh, five seasons in and it needs nothing else it is a beginning middle and end unto itself and a great episode. Um, but with this, it, the Lawless is an excellent, well put together episode. But it is not an episode in, unto itself. It requires the other three episodes in order to be part of the story, and it definitely requires uh, the previous two Darth Maul arcs, in uh, the the Savage Oppress arc, and then the uh, the Darth Maul arc from last season in order for this to to really work. But it's the perfect culmination of all of that. Um, I say that now, and when they do the arc where Obi-Wan and Darth Maul confront each other for the last time, <laughs> that yeah. will be, that'll be the moment. That'll be the one that is like, that'll be the, the one to end all of them. But yeah. but yeah. we'll just have to wait until we get there. But yeah. we still have a whole, like, this is the thing. That just happened. We're like halfway through the episode. <laughs> we still got a whole other half and an incredible fight scene. Yeah. Um, but I'll just note that Obi-Wan never fights Darth Maul in this episode. Yeah. Their lightsabers never clash and, and there is no there's no physical confrontation between the two characters with the exception of Darth Maul capturing Obi-Wan. <clears throat> and yet there is so much conflict between the two of them yeah. in here that it's just it's incredible. It's incredible that they can do that with these characters. And that's why Star Wars is awesome. That's yeah. that's it's when it's at its best. Yeah, I, I can't even say much more than that. Uh, like I said, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the rest of this. Uh, in the Senate offices on Coruscant, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine senses a disturbance in the Force. He summons Masamita and orders him to prepare a shuttle for <clears throat> departure. As the Super Commandos escort Obi-Wan back to prison, they are suddenly ambushed by Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian rebels. Bo-Katan returns Obi-Wan's lightsaber and equips him with a jetpack. Kenobi joins her in blasting off away from the pl- prison platform. And I love the way that, uh, you know, Sidious does this this uh, Anakin thing where he can just sense. I mean, this is how powerful uh, Sidious is. I mean, he senses like, oh, hold on a second. You know, there's there's Maul still alive. You know, Savage, what's going on here? So just the, the and I'll talk about this in this fight. I think this is probably the most powerful we've ever seen. Sidious. Uh, this is like his peak, I think, but we'll get there. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, a Republic executive shuttle arrives at Sundari, and from it emerges the robed and hooded form of Darth Sidious. Mandalorian super commandos try to stop him, but Sidious chokes them to death without a second glance and proceeds into the city. Now, for me, it's much less a choke and much more of like a grab and snap. 
Um, <laughs> like, yeah. like he kind of it, later on, he pins the ones to the wall, like in, in, in one of these next scenes. But in this scene, he walks off the thing and he just, he just closes his hand and they rise into the air and die. Mm-hmm. And then he just drops them. Right. Like it, it, it's, it's much less that he chokes them in the way that like Vader force force chokes. Uh, it's much more that like he lifted them up by their necks and then just sort of crushed them. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. He is at, he's at his peak. This is, I mean, man, Yoda doesn't last incredibly long against a weakened Darth Sidious. I don't know that Yoda could have lasted against this Darth Sidious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know if Yoda would have made it out of that fight. Um, And you start to understand this is why the Jedi Council kind of goes down pretty quick, is that they underestimate his power. Um, Just just how powerful Darth Sidious really is. Yeah. But I continue. And here's the thing, too, real quick. The arrival of Palpatine, the classic... Star Wars music is back yes. again. Uh, the Emperor theme thing going on there. So I just love that. We'll talk about that. Uh, Kyle, I mentioned about that in the Facebook, but we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes here. Bo-Katan and her rebels are pursued through the Sundari cityscape. Maul's commandos corner them in a sealed-off tunnel, and Obi-Wan and Bo-Katan fight side-by-side side to defeat their attackers. The blast doors at the end of the tunnel open to reveal a massive battle taking place across the entire city between Maul's forces and Bo-Katan's loyalists. Now was that great scene we've seen uh, a few times in in, uh, in trailers and such like that. It's just the whole chaos is everything's jumping off right now, man. This is going crazy on Mandalore. So mm-hmm. uh, just again, great action scene. Some you know we've come to expect this now in the Clone Wars. So uh, just a great little scene right there. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, In the palace throne room, Maul senses a presence he has not felt in over a decade, that of his old master. Sidious enters the throne room, easily choking the guards to death before they are even aware of him. Maul kneels before Sidious and declares that all of his empire-building efforts have been in hopes of returning to his master's side. Sidious sees through Maul's lies and knocks the Zabrak brothers against the wall with a force push. Savage and Maul draw their weapons. Sidious produces a concealed lightsaber from each sleeve, ignites both his sabers, and charges into battle against these Sith pretenders. Uh, wow. Uh, tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> this is the start of um, my favorite lightsaber battle. And this is going to ramp up there, Mike, of the entire saga. I mean, it's hard to put this Clone Wars in with the movies but oh my gosh uh, well actually i'll save it till we get to the main portion of the fight but um uh, again i'll just say that i love that sidious he he, he gets the two sabers now i mean he did this in, in rots right revenge of the sith he throws one down in his sleeve and apparently he's supposed to have two in that scene but um uh, what happened he lost one no he lost one to they talked about this in the behind the scenes. He he only uses one of them in the battle against Mace Windu. And, okay, then he and loses it. Okay, the gotcha. Jedi Council, yeah, right. And right. he loses that lightsaber in the fight with Dark with Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Mace right. Windu actually manages to disarm him and knock it out the window, right? Like knock it 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 away from him, um, and that's when Anakin comes in. Mace has eff- effectively defeated Darth Sidious. Um, yeah. Now, and, and, this is interesting because I, I feel 
there's there's always been two opinions of that is that that uh, Mace Windu legitimately defeats Darth Sidious and had Anakin not intervened that Sidious would have mm. would have died in that moment but having seen this right. I know, seen where, I know where you're going see, with this yeah, yeah. Uh, that is no longer a theory like that uh, we have definitive proof I think Mace Windu of anybody uh, could have defeated Darth Sidious with along with with maybe uh, if Yoda had been at his side and maybe if Obi-Wan and Anakin had been at his side they could have defeated Sidious but I think as evidenced in this Sidious is never even he's never at any point in danger no in this scene and that's not just because we know that he has to live in order for you know episode three to take place but just in the way that things happen there's never a moment where it seems like he's not going to make it out of this like darth maul and savage press could put it together and uh, and defeat darth sidious it's not going to happen he easily wipes the floor with both of them so he could have defeated mace windu i think that he lets mace windu disarm him right and uh, knowing full well that he has another lightsaber, uh, and uh, and and this this is just perfect evidence of that fact. Mm-hmm. That and the fact that that Darth Sidious lightsabers are shorter; they're more like they're closer to the size of uh, of Yoda's, which would make me believe that they're it's a that they're meant to be used with one hand. They're not meant to be dual two like uh, two handed right. sabers. Right. So. Well, I just say I think you're right that when I saw this, I thought to myself, and I always had that feeling that 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 Sidious loses on purpose because mm-hmm. you can see now he he senses Darth Maul from you know galaxy away or whatever you want to call it. So I think he, in Revenge of the Sith, he sensed that uh, Anakin was coming for him, and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and just just let this fight go along for a little while until Anakin gets here and, yeah. and then kind of give up a little bit. Yeah, so I've always had that thought. But seeing this and like, oh, yeah, definitely uh, losing to Mace on purpose just to get that whole thing going. So, yeah, that's, that's a good pickup. And I'll just say before I continue, I love the beginning of this. I love that he whips out these two sabers, and before he starts fighting, he drags them on the ground. Yeah. Uh, before he does a, a just a, a quick parry and some twists, it's like, oh, my gosh. Just and Right there, you're like... Oh man, I love this! I love this. This is so great. Uh, and I'll, here, let me just finish this scene. Mike, you can finish it up um, again. This uh, this is classic Star Wars right here. In the city, the Mandalorian civil war continues. Obi Wan and Bo-Katan fight their way to a waiting starship. Bo-Katan tells Obi Wan to return to the Republic and tell Satine, uh, tell the Senate what has happened here. Obi-Wan warns that uh, this would likely lead to a Republic invasion, but Bo-Katan accepts that as a price worth paying for the death of Maul. Kenobi realizes that Bo-Katan is the sister that Satine spoke of earlier, and he departs. And I, I was just going to say that this is classic third act uh, Star Wars going on here. With, with this going on, you got the, the lightsaber battle and all this action going on, and you got a little bit of a... Uh, we find out, uh, c- confirmed, that Satine and Bo-Katan are sisters. And my, this is when I found out, this is when I got... I just went, whoa! I did not see that coming. Yeah. So kudos to the writers. They kept that secret, and I had no idea until the very end there. 
It's funny because it's just, I, I think it's a lot like the Luke Leia situation where mm. once you know, it just, it makes so much sense. And you're like, well, how come I just didn't put this together before, right? But yeah. with this one even more so, it's just like, it's so obvious now looking back on on what else has happened in this arc that, you know, Bo-Katan is never really on board with Pre Vizsla's plans. Uh, she just, she wants to... Uh, take over Mandalore to sort of restore it back to what it was before but she always kind of looks at his methods and is a little bit like this is not the way to go about it this is not the way that we should be doing it but I suppose the ends will justify the means right like it's she she turns a blind eye because she trusts him as a leader Uh, I don't think that she should but she does anyways uh, and and so that kind of all goes on, but it's now that he's gone, she is figuring stuff out for herself. And let's just let's just chalk another one up to Dave Filoni to creating yet another amazing female character in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been said time and time again that there aren't enough of them. And certainly in the original trilogy, I mean, you've got Leia and you have Mon Mothma, and that's about it. Uh, other than that, there really aren't even that many more female characters that have names uh, that aren't, you know, dancers or aliens. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the addition of Bo-Katan to the, the mythos of Star Wars, um, I think a lot of that is is thanks to Dave and I I'm I'm sure that George had his input of saying you know like let's have a you know let's have a, a, a Mandalorian a female Mandalorian or something of that sort but um but really the strength of this character comes through in in how this story has come about and and now the position that she's in and that I could be saying last episode I think Bo-Katan should be the one to lead the Mandalorians from now on you know, like, I, I think that that just goes to, to show, uh, I'm not going like, oh, you know, you know who should do it? It should be Corky because he's a named character that we know of and he's a Mandalorian and, and he's a male character. So he should be the leader. It's like, no, it, it, like gender has nothing to do with it. And I think that that is, that's a really cool step forward for Star Wars. I, this is one of those things that makes me go, I really hope that the protagonist of the sequel trilogy is a female that, that we can get that, that step forward in genre film that is happening in TV, but hasn't happened in movies yet. Um, Mm -hmm. you can't, I can't really think of any movies that, that have that, uh, and star Wars would be the perfect Avenue for it because it, it, Bo-Katan is a perfect example. Satine is a perfect example. Ahsoka, Padme, so many characters in the Clone Wars are great examples. Uh, um, Stila at the beginning of the season, that it really doesn't matter what, like it, it matters who you are, not what you are, uh, and that's species, gender, age, anything. It doesn't matter. It's the strength of your character and and your resolve and uh, and and who you are as as a person that matters and uh and bo-katan is just such a great character to add to that um 
it's it's just awesome to see these things happen uh, in, in this show mm-hmm. and uh, uh, on a weekly basis with Star Wars. Yeah. Do uh, you want to finish it up? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, okay. Mean, uh, meanwhile, Sidious duels the Sith brothers, never wavering from his position of superiority. See, there it is. It's right there in the recap. He can't be defeated. Yeah. Uh, fueled by the dark side, Sidious is transformed into an agile whirlwind of destruction. He briefly knocks Maul unconscious, leaving Savage to fight alone. To fight him alone. Sidious stabs the monstrous, monstrous Knight brother through the chest and blasts him off the balcony. Regaining his senses, Maul witnesses his brother's defeat and leaps down to the courtyard below to aid him. As Savage's life fades, Mother Talzin's dark enchantments fade away in clouds of green mist, and Savage returns to his smaller natural form. He apologizes to his brother, recognizing that he was never like Maul, never capable of truly being a Sith. Maul attempts to avenge his brother's death, fighting fiercely with both his red lightsaber and Vizsla's black blade, but he simply cannot defeat Sidious' power. Sidious disarms his former apprentice, batters him with the force, uh, with force pushes, and electrocutes him with Sith lightning. Maul begs for mercy, but Sidious says there is no such thing. However, he does reveal that he has plans for his former apprentice and does not intend to kill him. The Dark Lord cackles with glee as he tortures Maul with more lightning. Brother, I am an unworthy apprentice. I'm not like you. I never was. (laughs) Remember... The first and only reality of the Sith. There can only be two. And you are no longer my apprentice. You have been replaced. or what i mean like i said mike i can't believe this wasn't a season finale but let's talk about this fight uh, yes. for for me the most uh the most lightsaber skill and force power we've seen from sidious in the entire saga and i mean we've seen him do some crazy stuff in revenge of the sith but you know we don't get to see his his lightsaber prowess in this fight was unmatched unbelievable stuff uh I, I had to watch this thing like five or six times in a row just to get just to kind of soak it all in. I mean, he gets he gets body checked off this platform, um, and and he uses the force to drag 
the you know the brothers with him so i mean this incredible skill he's never phased when he gets hit uh if he gets hit or punched or checked he's got a he's got a parry for that he's got a flip he always lands on his feet uh and i could see where ma learned his his acrobatic skills i mean uh sidious is showing him off right here the whole time with his flips and stuff like that uh he's flipping he's spinning he's parrying everything uh and he fighting Savage, he doesn't even ignite. This is what this is what I love too, Mike. He's fighting Savage right in this one section where he he, he kind of has him on his own. He doesn't even ignite his sabers for a few seconds. He does mm-hmm. a few he does a few parries like <laughs> like it's nothing. And then that crazy move where he spins the lightsabers in his hands, forced backwards into into a uh, Savage, and and he's done. Uh, He's just toying with Savage, basically. Yeah. Uh, and he uses he uses front spin that he kind of we saw him use in the beginning of the Revenge of the Sith fight, where he he kind of does that guttural yell and he spins. He kind of uses that. I don't know if you noticed that, but again, yeah. bringing some of that stuff he used in three, he's showing it here. But um, my gosh, I, I just I can't say n- enough about this fight. Um, the best fight I've seen in, in the whole saga. I don't care if it's it, it's animated or whatever. It was the best. I love seeing Sidious in the flesh for the first time. Crazy action. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just I can't say enough about it, Mike. Tell me, t- hit us, hit us, Mike. What do you think? What do you got for me? Uh, yeah, you, you, you hated it, right? No. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though, here's the thing. I liked the fight last episode better. Uh, I, I I heard I, people I heard people say that, and, and I don't know. I, I have to disagree. This was just. Too much. Too much. I, it was really good. It was really well done. Um, I, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're saying this is the best lightsaber duel. Um, I don't know. There was just an intensity in that that fight between Pre Vizsla and Darth Maul. That I think what I think the difference is that, like you say, Savage is just being toyed with. Yeah. And Darth Maul gets gets sort of knocked out of the fight for part of it, which is a, you know, like a, that's the that's a Sith classic move, right? Is yeah. the the divide and conquer, exactly. um, and uh, and and so I don't know, like I do agree with you that this is this is the best choreographed fight, lightsaber duel, straight lightsaber to lightsaber duel, in the entire saga. But I will say. For um, for intensity and cinematography, I think that the pre Vizsla fight was better. Uh, that there was more going on. That that uh, it was much more uh, personal. Uh, that, like it, like we stayed really close. We saw we sort of saw their faces. There was a little bit more conversation in between, um, and it wasn't quite so one sided. There were moments where you're like, "What's gonna happen? Like, is he gonna manage to take out off one of Maul's arms, or, you know, like, like, could could Pre Vizsla make it out of this? He's not going to, but could he? And uh, whereas in this one, I mean, the second that Sidious shows up, you know, Savage isn't gonna live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's done for. Uh, this is the end of that character. And I say that because. Savage is on is working with borrowed power. He was never like he says he was never what Darth Maul 
was. was. Yeah. Um, and I think Obi-Wan makes an assumption knowing the past of Savage Opress and knowing that, that, you know, he came from the Night Sisters and, and, um, and I think frankly that, that Obi-Wan has more information than he lets on. Uh, and this is the first hint of it that he spent some time with Asajj Ventress, and I'm sure that the second that shuttle blasted off, that he turned to Asajj and went, "You want to explain to me exactly how this is possible?" And that Asajj would have been like, "Okay, so there's the you know I'm a Night Sister, and there's Mother Talzin, and this is how this is how Darth Maul has come back." And this is why Savage Opress is as powerful as he is. Not in the interest of like, oh, let's let's talk because now we're friends, but in the interest of these are serious threats and they need to be dealt with. And in order for you to deal with them, you need to know the whole story. And here's the whole story. So I think that Obi-Wan knows, and that's why he sort of, he makes that inference that Darth Maul is the same as Savage Opress. I don't think that's the case. Darth Maul was powerful in his own right. Um there was no green mist coming out of Darth Maul the first time Obi-Wan cut him in half. Mm-hmm. But Savage Opress gets his arm cut off and there's green mist. And he gets stabbed and there's green mist. And when he dies, he returns to the Savage that we remember from from season right. three. Right. Um, and so that aspect of it, the fact that he was never in, in control of his mind, uh, that he was always sort of at the whim of, of this bestial force that was put inside of him, uh, that, that's a result of that magic. Um, he's, not, he's not Darth Maul. Darth Maul, I think, was taken as a youngster, uh, as, as a child, uh, much younger. And he was trained to be a machine, and he was trained in, actually trained, to be a Sith. Whereas I don't know that Dooku was truly training Savage to be a Sith. I think that Dooku was training Savage to be a weapon, no different than the mm. Night Sisters were treating him. So, so this battle to me, like Savage, doesn't really do anything impressive. Savage only manages to survive for a while. Right. And that has nothing to do with him. Like I said, it's borrowed power. Um, and then Darth Maul is not in control. Darth Maul has been feigning that he is in control. He's been acting like he's Darth Sidious. But he's not because he's he's insane. Like, he's lost it. Um, the Emperor has not lost it. Even once he he allows himself to become disfigured at the hands of Mace Windu. I mean let's be honest he disfigures himself yeah he he shoots that lightning knowing full well that it's going to be reflected back at him and uh and that it's going to turn him into the 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 emperor and that he's going to use this to his advantage it's gonna he's gonna use it to bring anakin over and then he's gonna use it as as like i've been disfigured the jedi are evil um and all of that sort of stuff so like he's not he's not crazy he's perfectly sane all the way up until the moment he gets thrown into that chasm by Darth Vader in episode 6 so uh, you know like that these characters are not equally matched and it was obvious going into the battle that that was the case whereas the pre-Vizsla fight I think it was a little bit more evenly matched which made it a little bit more interesting 
Uh, especially because Darth Maul may have had the trick up his sleeve of the Force, but Pre Vizsla has his own tricks up his sleeve, and he pulled out everything in order to try and defeat Darth Maul. And I think that that is where where that fight was much more entertaining to me. And and I I was glued to the screen for that one. Whereas with this one, there was a lot of twirling, there was a lot of flipping, there was a lot of stuff. There were some really great moments and some really excellent stuff. But there was also a lot of episode three, this is going on for a little longer than it should because it looks cool. You know what I, would I mean? S- I would say, though, that I thought that the, the pre-Vizsla that Maul was was definitely holding back. I don't even think he used the force at all in that in that fight. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe prolonging it just so the the Mandalorians that would have to fall to him wouldn't just say, "Oh, this you know this is too much." I mean, I th- yeah, I, I think we talked. I don't know if we talked about it before. I heard something like that, but yeah, I thought that was that was the only thing that took me away yeah. from it. Was I thought Maul was holding back a little bit, not there- whereas this fight he's going all out. But there's also an aspect of Darth Maul that when he came back, he's he is half right. the man he was before. True. The other yeah. half of him is machine. And we know for a fact that that decreases your ability to use the Force. Mm-hmm. So Darth Maul is not at full capacity. I think in order to fight Pre Vizsla, I think, you, I think you're half right, but I think that there's another half of it that... He had a choice to make, and he had to make it a good show. So that means that he has to fight Pre Vizsla. He can't use the Force. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that Maul is capable now of doing both at the same time in the way that Sidious is. Like, I think that Sidious could be using Force Lightning with one hand and dueling with the other. Like, he could take on three Jedi at once. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, be choking too and fighting the other with a lightsaber and not miss a beat. I think that's how powerful he is. Um, Darth Maul's not there. I don't think that Darth Maul has the capacity to do the physical aspect of, of fighting along with the focus aspect. And I think a lot of that is because of his mental state. Uh, you have to remember that his mental state is not his own. It's also borrowed. It's borrowed from from Mother Towson's power as well. So there's... The, he's fighting with a lot of handicaps and not just in the way that, that Darth Vader does. Uh, he's got... He has some very severe issues in his mind. And, uh, yeah. It's... It, it, there's, it, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on and yeah. I think that we could analyze this stuff all night. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually watching it like it's on right now. I'm watching this fight. I'm just like shaking my head, going, "Man, this is so good." And and you know, I even think my, yeah. my to myself, you know, is is Darth Sidious toying with these two guys? You know, because he's got a smile on his face this whole fight. You know, he's just he's just eating us up. You know, he this is. is like great yeah. practice. You know, it's yeah. Oh my gosh. I, so I think I think that Darth Sidious doesn't get to whip out his lightsabers very yeah. often because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't call for it. That's not his game, right? His game yeah. is this game of subterfuge and politics. But when he does Guy's get so to good bring out it. those lightsabers, yeah, he's a Sith, right? Like he revels so in in the chaos and the destruction and the the like the unfettered passion of of a sword fight. Um, yeah, so yeah, good. so so good. It, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it, he does have that joy in his voice in Episode Three when he goes, 
you know, he, he, he brings out his lightsaber and he's like, well, you know, I've waited a long time for this, my little green friend. Like, yeah, yeah. He knows that they're going to do their lightning thing and it's going to only last so long before they got to start doing the lightsaber thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll just end it by saying, uh, obviously, this is my favorite episode. This last, this last third act is just crazy action good stuff the stuff that i love of course mm-hmm. the the battles the lightsaber battles um man i can't gosh where's episode seven hurry up man I <laughs> you know it's, it's, i'm so so excited for that but, jj's um, gonna do amazing things with lightsabers yeah, like yeah. let's just be really clear yeah we have not seen anything yeah it's gonna be incredible it's gonna yeah. be incredible i can't wait so uh, that's how it ends. Ends on a cliffhanger. So we'll see what happens yeah. with Maul and where he ends up, um, where he shows up again. I, I love your theory, Mike, that uh, it's going to be um, Obi Wan who's going to get to finally. Uh, oh, it's not a it's not a theory. Let's just put it out there right now. Mark yeah. my words. It is fact. Obi Wan uh, Kenobi will kill Darth Maul before <laughs> the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, I, think, I think you're right there. Uh, let's go to the quick mailbag before we uh, finish up this episode. Let's do it. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. He was... I seem to have found it. So I just wanted to highlight real quick, Mike. Uh, Kyle, of course, he writes the recaps here for us every week, and he's got his own mm-hmm. uh, podcast now. The saga continues. Uh, but he said here that uh, if there was ever a time for Kevin Kiner to forgo an original score and use music from the films, this was it. The use of the Emperor's theme was absolutely perfect. And I mentioned that earlier. I mm-hmm. love that they did that. And now I'm starting to think, you know, I- I've been one of those guys that have always said, you know, why don't they use more classic stuff? And then I thought after I read this and saw this episode, I go, you know what? I think they are doing it the right way, you know, yeah. bring it in on these fantastic moments because it just adds so much to these these big characters, you know, the, the Sidious is the, the sometimes when Anakin goes a little bit crazy to the dark side, they use that theme. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I like I said, I, I used to bag on it like, come on, just always use the the, the uh, classic Star Wars stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, you know, tend to be wrong from time to time. Uh, and uh, I think they are doing it right with this. And uh, he makes a good point that uh, these these special moments, that's what we're going to use it for. So I, I think you said that too, Mike, a, a long time ago. Like, you know, could it get overused, the classic music? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I would just say that, um, again, using it sparingly like they do, it really adds a lot to, to these big episodes like this. So uh, thanks to Kyle for that. Uh, and don't forget to check out his podcast, The Saga Continues. Uh, it's actually on our feed, so if you guys are if you guys are here, you'll see that. So hopefully you like that. Um, Mike, next week, yeah, we're starting we're starting a new uh, a new. I guess it's what what is this? Is this a three part arc, two part? Do you four know? parts, four parts. This is I, a four part. Holy crap! Okay, yeah, sabotage. Okay. I let me see. Let me see if I can do this without using the wiki. I believe it's sabotage. Uh, the Jedi who knew too much. I uh, oh, I can't remember the middle one, and then I think it's the Lost Jedi is the last one. Right. Um, let me just look this up. Uh, fifth season. What are and- our last four episodes? I uh, oh, sorry. Uh, no, I'm 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 completely wrong. Uh, it's it's sabotage the Jedi who knew too much. Uh, to catch a Jedi and the wrong Jedi. Oh, okay. Are, are so, the, uh, 
the last four episodes of the season of season. So this four, this arc is finishing out the season. Okay. Yep. So it starts with sabotage, like we said. Anakin and Ahsoka investigate an explosion at the temple. Suspicious that a Jedi turned dark is responsible. And here is uh, a quick clip of what's coming next week. Check this out. and learning, Padawan. Uh-oh. You're trailing smoke. What's wrong? Oh, nothing serious. Just a small malfunction. Oh! Wow, how long has it been since we've seen Anakin? And, and Ahsoka's back, Mike. Uh, yep. Buzz droids. And uh, if you saw this clip, it's really, really similar to what happens in the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. We get Anakin and his starfighter, uh, buzz droids all over the place. Uh, so yeah, it definitely reminded me of uh, the beginning of Re Revenge of the Sith. And I'm really intrigued about this um, this investigation about a suspicious Jedi turned dark. I mean, uh, I was particularly a big fan of the Krell arc and yeah. how that, uh, so this really in, has in me intrigued. In the clip that they showed on Saturday morning during the the, the hangout, uh, um, they Anakin makes reference to General Krell. Uh, he says because oh, they, okay. they're talking about uh, could a Jedi have done this? Could a Jedi have, have bombed this? And and uh, and Anakin says, well, there have been Jedi in the past that have left the Order. Don't forget about Dooku and General Krell. And it's mm -hmm. like. It's very cool that that's a that 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 gets brought up. That that's not something that they're sweeping under the rug. That's a right. very important part, and it's I think it's it's a piece of the puzzle that that's going to lead up to to some stuff that we're probably going to learn in this episode. Nice, that's it. Uh, so it looks like you got a, a different uh, preview than what they have on cartoonnetwork.com so yeah uh, but but a cool thing you know we're back to uh, space battles here and and but like i said buzz droids and wow it's been a while since we've seen anakin so that'll be cool to get back with the uh, uh anakin and his panel uh, anything exciting with a starfighter i mean geez that's been forever <laughs> i know exactly uh so that's coming up next week sabotage we'll be talking about that next monday but that's going to do it for this week mike awesome great don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com on facebook at facebook.com slash clone wars podcast over on twitter at twitter.com slash clone wars or simply at clone wars and uh, you can send all your comments questions and feedback to mail at clone wars podcast.com thank you guys for listening and uh we will see you guys next week on Frontline's the clone wars podcast see you guys next week
Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.